Well, the greatest art story of 2017 was the auction sale of this painting, Salvatore Mundi, by Leonardo da Vinci. It happened in New York on the 15th of November. Did you read about this? Incredible. The reserve price was 75 million pounds. That was the reserve price. It actually sold for 335 million pounds. Wow. It was bought by some Saudi prince and it's gonna be displayed in the new Louvre in Abu Dhabi. Now here's the bit that I found absolutely amazing. In 1950, somebody sold it for 45 pounds. Someone got rid of it for 45 quid. 67 years later, 335 million pounds. They clearly did not have a clue about what they had. It had been obscured um, by layers of overpaint for centuries. Some had dismissed it as not being genuinely by Leonardo. But after some careful restoration and fresh examination, art scholars now recognize it as one of the few uh, 20 pictures now remaining of Leonardo da Vinci. And it was included in an exhibition of his work in 2011. And I think that's a very fitting metaphor for how many people really miss out on the most valuable part of Christmas. The whole point of Christmas just gets obscured by all that's been slapped on top of it, leading some to doubt whether there's anything genuine there at all. Father Christmas, Rudolph, mince pies, German markets, Christmas trees, the Grinch, and the white Christmas that Bing dreams of, but we never quite seem to get, do we, in Edinburgh. But I just want to spend a few minutes of our time this evening to kind of scrape back the stuff that's not part of the original to show you the priceless glory of Christmas, which is to see that Jesus Christ is the Salvatore Mundi, which is the Latin for the Savior of the world. Now, we've been considering uh, over this Christmas period seven reasons why Jesus came. And Jesus states one of those reasons in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 45. We'll put it up on the screen. Jesus said this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, <laughs> and to give his life as a ransom for many. Three brief reflections on what Jesus says here. His dignity, his humility, and his generosity. Firstly, his dignity. He is the Son of Man. Now, this was, um, this was his most common way of referring to himself in his role. Surrounded by hostile authorities, this could simply mean he was born as a human being, a Son of Man. And while his conception certainly was miraculous, his birth would have been exhaustingly normal as far as Mary was concerned. But 500 years before, in the book of Daniel, in the Hebrew scriptures, it records of Daniel seeing a vision of one like a son of man. 
who comes before God and receives authority, glory, and sovereign power. And God declares that he will have a kingdom that would be everlasting and will encompass the whole world. And I think this is the background that informs what Jesus means when he called himself the, the, the Son of Man. Here is his dignity. He is the king over all kings. He is the Lord over all lords. Here's the one who deserves really our service and obedience. Here's the one who has the right to tell us what to do with our lives and the right to tell us what not to do with our lives. Here's the one who's worthy of our worship, the worship of our lives and our lips, which is what we've been doing this evening as we've been singing these carols. That's his dignity. But secondly, consider his humility. How do kings and rulers, how do billionaires and Hollywood stars expect to be treated? Well, they expect deference and respect. They expect good service, the best of service, the best of everything. And the more important you are, uh, then the more people you have who serve you, PAs, servants, chefs, waiters, attendants, chauffeurs, maids, cleaners, butlers, and the list goes on. That shows how important you are, the number of people who take care of your affairs and your business. And so consider the humility of the Son of Man. His dignity puts him above all others. His humility is that he came not to be served, but to serve. Now Jesus spoke these words as he was leading the way towards Jerusalem. And he told his disciples exactly what would take place when he got there. He said this, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Now, two of his disciples, James and John, their, their first request of Jesus after he'd said these very words was whether they could have top jobs in his coming kingdom. Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. It's not the most sensitive thing, is it, to make your first response when your friend tells you they're about to die soon to ask them for their golf clubs? But that's kind of on par with what's happening here. They saw authority and power as a means of personal glory, <coughs> of a way of getting. But Jesus taught here that he saw his authority as a way of serving and of giving. And so if we say this evening that we belong to his kingdom and that he is our king, then our lives should be marked by following his example. So who are we serving in our lives? And how are we serving them this Christmas? Because if this is our king, listen to what he says. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve his dignity, 
his humility, and finally, his generosity. And of course, generosity is just a hopelessly inadequate word to summarize what he gave. Look at what he gave. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. Isaiah, again, in the Hebrew Scriptures, writing over 700 years earlier, before Jesus, spoke of the day when a coming Savior would come, who would be called the servant. And I think this also forms part of the significance of Jesus saying that he had come to serve. He is that servant. Our selfishness and our sin makes us guilty before God. It separates us from God. We're deserving of his just condemnation. But this servant, according to Isaiah chapter 53, would choose to be punished for the transgressions of his people. His life would be an offering for sin. He would bear the sin of many. Do you hear the echo of that words? The ransom for many? And Jesus knowing what would happen to him in Jerusalem, still headed straight for it because he had come to serve and to save sinners by giving his own life as a ransom for many, paying the price so that we could be forgiven, swapping places with, with guilty sinners, taking their punishment upon himself. A few days before Christmas in 1991, a 19-year-old called Robin Farmer had just returned to Northern Ireland for after his first term of university in Scotland. He was working in the family's shop in County Tyrone when a terrorist gunman burst in and aimed a gun at his father, who was a police reservist. Robin instinctively dived in front of his dad and was hit instead, dying shortly afterwards. Now that courageous sacrifice reflects something of what Jesus did for us. See, as Robin's father can say, my son died for me, so we could say, God's son died for us. He came to give his life as a ransom payment for many. Now here's my question to you this evening. Does that include you? Does that include you? Have you received Jesus as your King and Savior? I mean, this is the greatest Christmas gift of them all. Some bloke paid 335 million pounds to get a representation of the face of Jesus. But Jesus has actually paid the whole price so you could genuinely receive him as your king and savior. Because although he was crucified on the, uh, on the Friday, on the third day after that, he rose from the grave. And you can know him personally as king and savior today. How do you receive him? How do you receive this gift? Well, talk to him. That's simply what prayer is. Say sorry for the ways that you have uh, sinned. Thank God for what he's done for you in sending Jesus to be your ransom. And say, please 
forgive me. I want this gift. Change me. And you know what? If you've, if you've never heard anything about this, we'd love you to take this book away with you tonight. A very different Christmas. Uh, there's, a, there's at least 30 copies on the way out in the bookstall. And if you'd like to find out more and like to respond to Jesus tonight, why don't you take that? And, you know, if you want to know more, come speak to me afterwards. I'll be at the back there for, for a bit of time. And, you know, if you've got questions, uh, this is new to you, and you've got a bunch of questions firing in your head, in the bulletin that you were given tonight, you'll see information about a course called Glad You Asked. It's going to be running right around this city. And uh, you just need to email the office, and they'll let you know which place is, is closer to you, and you can ask all the questions that you want. This really is the most valuable thing about Christmas. I hope you don't miss it. Amongst all the, the weird stuff that gets slapped on top, this is the precious thing. It's to know this Jesus, who is the Salvatore Mundi, who is the Savior of the world. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The only fitting response is to join in with the angel's song and praise the one who came to raise the sons of earth and give them the second birth. So let's stand with our closing carol. Hark, the herald angels sing.